Hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 19. We'll read from verse 1 to verse 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Zacchaeus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. We'll start out this morning by talking about curiosity. Two pastors were at a preaching conference once. I don't actually know their names, but we'll call them James and John. And James and John had breakfast in the hotel lobby, and they were walking over to the elevator to go back up to their rooms. And as they were standing there, James nudged John and said, Hey, hey, John, is that, is that guy over there, is that Matt Chandler? Is that like mega church pastor, like 12,000 people at his church, like my personal superhero pastor, Matt Chandler? And John does that kind of subtle try to look. Yeah, yeah, that's Matt Chandler. That's awesome. He must be staying at our hotel. Oh, un- I listen to all his story. Unbelievable. I can't believe he's here. It's incredible. And so the two of them, James and John, stand there and fanboy for a while as they're waiting for the elevator to come. And in the meantime, Matt Chandler finishes up his breakfast and he walks over and he says, hey guys. And James and John say, hi. And Matt asks, so uh, are you guys waiting for the uh, elevator to go up to your rooms? Uh-huh. Um, you know, you guys, you never push the up button for the elevator to come. You mind if I push that for you? Curiosity about celebrities makes us do some kind of, kind of funny things. And in the Zacchaeus story, this guy is, is curious about Jesus. Zacchaeus has heard rumors about Jesus, and now he's, he's finally going to get to see this guy. He's so excited, but he's short, and the crowd won't let him through. So he runs on ahead of the crowd and he climbs a tree so that he can see Jesus. And to us, we've heard this story a number of times, and it it probably just all kind of makes sense. But really, it's a funny and pretty awkward thing for this guy to be doing. The text tells us that, that Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector or a chief tax collector in Jericho. And Jericho was a really prosperous city. It was kind of a choke point, so a lot of trade had to go through it. And lots of trade means lots of taxes. So this is a wealthy, powerful guy. And back in those days, and probably still today, wealthy, powerful, important people did not do undignified things. But Zacchaeus is like a little child in his curiosity here. He deeply wants something more. There must be some way his life feels empty. And so when he can't get through the crowd, he runs down the road like a little boy. He picks up his robe because it's hard to run in a robe. And he dashes off down the street. And and then to top off his indignity, he climbs a tree. And just to complete this picture for you, remember 
Zacchaeus is wearing a robe. There is no dignified way. There is no decent way to climb a tree in a robe, especially when a crowd is coming your way. But Zacchaeus is really curious about what Jesus is up to. He's curious enough that in comparison to seeing Jesus, nothing else matters to him. Now, for those of us who have been believers for a while, we may have lost our curiosity. We get to know Jesus. We get in something of a spiritual groove. We get some answers nailed down. And then Jesus is always there for us. But, but when we've been in the faith for a long time, sometimes Jesus becomes sort of background noise. Pleasant, good to have there. But maybe not a source of wonder and awe. We begin to forget how much God's grace is really worth And so it's good for us to be renewed in our curiosity. And as was the key is curiosity and wonder are actually great roads into the faith for some people. As believers, especially in our current cultural climate, we sometimes, we sometimes act when people ask us questions or challenge us on things as if they're the enemy and as if we have to defend the faith. And sometimes that's the case, but sometimes, sometimes people are just curious. Tim Keller in his sermon on this that I'm actually stealing a few things from. So if there's good stuff in this sermon, it's Tim Keller, not me. But, but Tim Keller talks about how curiosity, and he worked for many years in New York City with very, very secular people. But he talked about how often curiosity, just people wondering could be an on-ramp to growing into the faith that we share in Jesus Christ. Are there places in your life where you could be more curious? Are there places where you could stand to be renewed in your wonder and your joy at this Jesus who has come to us? And are there people in your life, are there questions, are there conversations that you could have that could answer people's curiosity and serve as as one small step, as as the beginning of an on-ramp toward them coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We begin with curiosity, but curiosity needs to go somewhere. And in this story, Zacchaeus seeks out Jesus, and then Jesus offers him this invitation, this invitation. I was at a preaching conference at College Church in Wheaton a couple years ago, and David Helm, who's the pastor of a church in downtown Chicago, well-known name in the preaching circuit, well, he was the main speaker. And after the second day of the conference, things had wrapped up. Some of us were in the lobby talking, and Dr. Helm walked out and in his best preacher voice said, let's go to dinner. I know a nice place just down the road. Let's go to dinner. And then he pauses for a minute, kind of looks around and says, you know what? I'll pay for anybody who wants to come. Let's go. The thing's on me. And when he first offers the invitation, you can see people doing the math. Like, hey, this is going to be an interesting conversation. I wonder if I can afford it. What does a nice place mean? What's my budget? How does this work? But then when he says that he's going to pay, all of a sudden the math changes. And all of us in the lobby go, you're paying? We're coming. Where are we going? Just like that. Preachers like a free dinner as much as anybody else, right? Well, in the Zacchaeus story, Jesus comes and And he offers 
but it's actually a backwards invitation. But he offers a dinner invitation. He says, I'm coming over to your place today. I, it's necessary. I must stay at your place. And now let's think for a minute about how unusual this actually is. Jesus is a celebrity. He's got a whole crowd following. Wherever he goes, the people gather. And as he's walking through this town, Jesus stops to talk to the guy up in a tree. I mean, the guy up in a tree is not going to be a normal guy. This is, this is a weird person here. But Jesus stops to talk to him. And he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' place. It's more than Zacchaeus expected. It's more than he deserved. But that's what Jesus does. Jesus goes to the outcasts. Jesus goes to the sinners. Jesus goes to those who don't deserve his grace. And for those who are looking and hoping for something more, Jesus shows up with an invitation to exactly that. Some people say this story is the heart of Luke's gospel. As we've worked through the first chapters of Luke the last few weeks, we saw that, that in Luke 1 through 9, we see Jesus preparing for ministry, and then he begins ministry in Galilee. And chapters 1 through 9 in Luke are really about who is this Jesus? Who is he? And the answer is he's the Son of God come to redeem the world. And then chapters 10 through 19, Jesus sets out for Jerusalem, and he's on this journey the whole time, and over and over and over again, this theme pops up of what does it mean to follow Jesus? Luke establishes who Jesus is, and then he, he gives us picture after picture of what it means to follow Jesus. And then here, as Jesus draws close to Jerusalem, by the end of chapter 19, he's in Jerusalem. As Jesus draws near to Jerusalem, we see the model response to this invitation. This text is the heart of the gospel of Luke. But here we see two responses. One response is negative, one is positive. And the negative response is rejection. When the people in the crowd see Jesus engage with Zacchaeus, they are angry. And they mutter and they grumble and they can't believe it. They see Jesus invite himself over to Zacchaeus' house and they are disgusted. Disgusted. And they have good reason to be. Zacchaeus is a disgusting character. He's wealthy, and he's become wealthy because he steals from everybody else all the time. That's what chief tax collectors did. Jericho was probably a rough place to do business because Zacchaeus and his cronies would always be showing up and taking more than you could afford. And you always knew they'd be back, and you always knew the demands would never end, and you always knew that Zacchaeus was getting wealthy, and you were becoming poor, and there was nothing you could do about it. And in fact, I think that's part of why Zacchaeus couldn't get through the crowd to see Jesus. You know, in a normal crowd, if there's someone who's short at the back and everyone else is tall at the front, the short guy will say, hey guys, can I get through? And the tall people in front will step out of the way and let the short people stand in front of them because it doesn't cost them anything. They can see over the guy. But the crowd here despises Zacchaeus. And they can't strike out at him directly. He's too powerful for that. But any little thing they can do, they'll do. So they wall him out. Somehow they can't hear his request to get through. They, they bump him out of the way. They stand in front of him. He's short, so we, we can't see. It's great. We get to get back at him a little bit. 
And that's probably at least part of why Zacchaeus has to run ahead and climb a tree, because he knows those people will never let him through. The crowd hates him. And then Jesus stops to talk to him. And the crowd wants no part of it. They see God's grace in action, and they want nothing to do with it. Now, we don't want to see ourselves in that crowd, but but I wonder how often we've rejected God's grace. I wonder, I wonder how often we've stood with our hands balled up in fists, too angry, too self-righteous, too self-sufficient, too, too stuck to receive God's grace. Have you ever thought that somebody else was outside of the reach of God's grace? Have you ever thought that you that you were outside the reach of God's grace? There's nobody. There is nobody outside the reach of God's grace. Jesus' grateful, gracious invitation goes out to all sinners, including you. And when we respond to Jesus' gracious invitation, we receive transformation just as Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus is lost, but when Jesus finds him, he becomes a totally new person. And Zacchaeus stands away, and it seems like he does this without any prompting, maybe even. And he says, Jesus, I'm going to give away half of everything I have. Half of everything I have, I'm going to give to the poor. Zacchaeus has been transformed, and now instead of stealing from everybody, he's focused on helping the poor. And then he goes on to say, after I've given away half of everything... So he's got half of what he had before. Now I'm going to repay everybody who I stole from. And he probably stole from the whole city. In the Old Testament, there were different levels of repayment required for different levels of theft. And the highest level of payment, the maximum penalty of the law, was four times the amount that you'd stolen. And Zacchaeus voluntarily submits himself to to the harshest penalty to the farthest extent of the law. And he says, if I've wronged anybody, and the implication there is, I have wronged everybody, but I will pay everybody back four times. What would make a man do that? What would make a man do that? Zacchaeus offers to give away almost everything he has because he's finally found what he needed. In Jesus, Zacchaeus finds something worth everything. And because he's found that something worth everything, he can give anything else away. Because he's found the one thing that he needs, he can give anything else away without a worry. What would make us? What would make us willing to do that? Jesus' grace and his love are worth more than anything else. The invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to receive everything that we need. And the more we recognize the truth that in Jesus we have the one thing that gives us everything, when we really grab hold of that, then, and only then, but then, 
then we have so much that we're able to give anything away and not worry about it because we've already got everything that we need. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus comes to each of us. Many of you know my youngest sister, Rachel. And Rachel's in her low 20s now, and she has Down syndrome. So, you know, she's got a lot of limits and a lot of challenges in her life. In many parts of the world, her life would be considered worthless. Not, not even worth the having. But along with all the challenges, Rachel also has a lot more joy day to day than most of us do. And, and if you've ever seen her here in church, you know that music is one of her great joys. Ever since she was tiny, music has been at the very center of her being. And Rachel's absolute favorite musician in the whole world, and I, I hesitate to say this, but I think her favorite person actually, is Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin's one of the I don't know, one of the leading lights in the Christian worship scene the last couple decades. He's actually the guy who put together the version of Amazing Grace that we sang earlier in the service. And Rachel loves his music, and she prays for him every day. She goes through the family, dad and mom and siblings and nephews and nieces and all that. And then at the end, every single time, day after day, for years without fail, she prays that God would bless Chris Tomlin and keep Chris Tomlin safe. And once my parents took Rachel to a Chris Tomlin concert, and I've, I've never quite heard all how all this got arranged, but they got there a bit early, and a couple people came out and led Rachel and my parents backstage, and they went down some hallways and through some doorways, and they brought them to this dark hallway and just left them there. And then after a couple minutes, this door opens, and Chris Tomlin, the man himself, comes out. And this isn't one of those meet-and-greet sessions that you can pay extra and get a special ticket and spend some time with some other people. This is a unique time just for Rachel. This is Chris Tomlin, Christian celebrity, man in demand, man with a concert coming up in a little bit, taking some time out of his personal rest time, giving up his personal time to step out of his dressing room and spend a few minutes with a little girl with Down syndrome. And they talk a little bit, and Rachel prays for him, because of course you pray for Chris Tomlin. That's what you do. And then they take a couple pictures. I think he gives her a CD or two, and then he steps back into his room, and Rachel goes back out and, and goes to the concert. Chris Tomlin had time for her. Jesus Christ has time for all of us. Luke 19, verse 10, is a good summary of the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. This is the heart of the gospel. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And that means everybody. That means Zacchaeus. That means us. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus comes to us with an invitation to be found. And in fact, more than that, Jesus comes to us and he says, I've found you and I'm coming over. And when Jesus comes into our life, he brings transformation. And that transformation leads us to, to witness to and to welcome others 
into this community of the lost who have been found. Jesus comes to all of us. Jesus invites himself over, and, and he's paid the price for us to share in an eternal feast with him. He invites us to come and to share in his grace and then to go and share his grace with others. Do you feel lost this morning? Do you feel lost? If you do, be found in Jesus Christ who came to seek and to save you. And do you feel found this morning? Do you know that you belong to Jesus Christ? If you do, then, then go out and seek and find and welcome the lost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus came into the world to seek and to save us. Father, we're grateful that you rejoice over us like like a shepherd would rejoice at finding a lost sheep, like a woman would rejoice at finding a lost coin, like a father would rejoice at welcoming a lost son back home, like, like Jesus rejoiced in Zacchaeus' transformation. And Father, we pray that you give us the humility to recognize when we are lost and true joy in being found in you. And Father, we pray that you work in us so that we have joy also in welcoming others in and sharing your good news and living out, living out the community of faith that welcomes everybody. Father, we thank you for the welcome that we have in you, and we pray that you continue to lead and guide us. Amen.